Hey, friends, and welcome to episode 18 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, and I'm so excited to share today's conversation with you. And a warning if you typically listen to your podcasts at 1.5 or double speed, you might want to take it down a notch. Today's podcast guest famously talks a mile a minute, and she cannot be put into a box with a one or two word description about how she spends her time. To sum up Sarah Becker, you'd need a novel. My attempt at describing her would be that she is insatiably curious. And she doesn't just follow her dreams, she unabashedly takes action in the direction of her passions. To say the least, Sarah Becker has a lot going on. And when I asked Sarah to send me her bio so I can try to explain all the things going on in her world, this is what she wrote. Sarah Becker is curious and finding lots of things to do. Some of those things include a decade in the wedding photography business, renovating and co-owning an eight-suite guest house in New Orleans, and starting an elopement planning company with her best friend. Sarah is passionate about travel. She actually spent 110 days traveling in 2019. She's very passionate about financial security, and she will slice your budget and enjoy doing it. And she always has a book in her bag. You can follow along on Instagram at Becker Reads Books. Just to make sure you caught that, she owns or co-owns not one, not two, but three businesses. And she's not even 30 years old yet. During our conversation, Sarah shares how asking questions led to buying, renovating, and owning a 34-bed guest house in Mid-City, New Orleans. She shares the exact roster of tools that she uses to make the best use of her time while managing her businesses. She goes into how she prepped her businesses and her finances in order to travel for almost four months in 2019, including exactly how much she spent on travel. She also talks about what it means to go on an earning spree, what she learned about herself during her travels, and how what she's learned has affected how she spends her time. And chances are you might be traveling now too, on the way to work, on the way home from Target, and you might not be in a great position to take notes on everything that Sarah has to say. But don't worry, I've got you covered. I took all the notes so you don't have to. You can find all the details from my conversation with Sarah, including links to the books and tools she mentions in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 18. You know, I love to start each episode with a little bit of gratitude. So I want to thank you again for tuning in. And if you haven't yet, ask that you please click the subscribe button in order to be notified as soon as new episodes and surprise bonus episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. And you might just get a shout out in a future episode, like this one from Victoria H. Victoria H. writes, the podcast I didn't even know I needed. She says, I finished all five current episodes in one day. Anna is amazing at what she does, and I took away so much valuable information from this podcast. I knew I needed to get organized in my life, but I didn't really know where, and this truly helped. Thank you, Anna. Okay, so Victoria H., first of all, thank you so much for diving into the first five episodes of It's About Time right when they were released. I'm so honored and grateful that you've been here from the start. I truly hope that the rest of the episodes have been helpful too, and I'm just so happy that they've made a difference for you. And if you've been enjoying the podcast and you're ready to take your time management to the next level, I currently have a limited number of one-on-one -on -one coaching spots available. 
Right now, I'm thrilled to be working side-by-side with go-getters representing a number of different industries, from nonprofit fundraising to engineering to healthcare, governmental relations, and more. They're leading teams, they're building brand new businesses, they're growing side gigs and nurturing their families, all while getting to the heart of the matter and spending their time on what matters most. Regardless of industry or job title, there's just one qualification to working with me, just one thing I require, and it's that you're ready to take action. No more wishing or hoping for change. No more making plans that collect dust in a planner you stopped using two months ago. No more one day I will or someday I might. You're ready to take confident steps toward mastering time management and living a life with purpose, intention, and joy. And here's my promise to you. If you sign up, show up, and take action, you will create a life for yourself that until now, you've only dreamed of. Yes, my friend, if that's you, you're done with the hamster wheel, done with wearing busy as a badge of honor, and you're ready to make calm mornings, productive work days, and intentional rest-filled weekends a reality, hop out of the podcast and over to AnnaDCornick.com forward slash work with me. Complete the quick two-minute application and you will get a 60-minute spot on my calendar. When we connect over the phone, you'll get a taste of what it's like to work with me. We'll define what life looks like for you now, what's not working, what's stressing you out, and what's standing in your way. Then we'll paint a picture of what your future could look like and the steps to getting there. And from there, we can both decide if it feels right to work together. So here's what I want you to do next. Go over to AnnaDCornick.com forward slash work with me, complete that quick application and schedule your call. It's that easy. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Sarah, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Good. I'm so excited to talk about all the things and hopefully not talk too fast. That is my deepest wish to be understandable. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, you're going to be fine. And plus, talking quickly means that the listeners will just have to be on their toes, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? I agree. And plus, I mean, don't pretty much all podcast apps have that thing where you can speed it up so you can they can probably slow it down if they need to, right? Yeah, and I use that for every podcast I listen to. I always speed it up. Double time. Yeah, I feel inefficient if I don't. It's a big problem. It's not really a problem. <laughs> it's okay. I endorse that choice. Yeah, that's my biggest time management tip. We can shut this whole podcast down. Like that's all I've got. Click that's that little it. double time button. <laughs> We're done. We're done. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, I peaked. <laughs> okay. So, Sarah, I, I've already said I'm absolutely delighted to have you on the show. Um, I told the listeners a little bit about you in the intro, but I would love to hear straight from you, how do you spend your time these days? That is a great question. So, professionally, I have my hand in a couple different businesses. I have my own business, Sarah Becker Photography, which does weddings. I do a lot of branding work. I do some food photography. It's a lot of really fun stuff. I also co-own Pop of Love, which is an elopement planning company. You just had Logan on the podcast, so hopefully your listeners are aware of that a little bit. And then I'm also a co-owner of a guest house that's here in New Orleans in Mid-City. And yeah, so my time is kind of spread out. I also live with my partner and my stepson. We live in a 700-square-foot house in the Bywater, so it's very cozy. That's about it. 
So that's like not very much. You must <laughs> yeah. watch a lot of TV. Just, just a few businesses and I'm uh, just trucking along. So what Sarah didn't mention is that she also curates this really fun Instagram profile. And what's the name of that? Oh, that's true. Okay. So I'm a huge nerd. And so you can follow along with all the books I read. And the Instagram is at Becca Reads Books. I've literally had it since like I was out of college. It was like the first thing I did when Instagram became a thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's super fun. Um, yeah. So what's the, what's your favorite book that you've read in the last six months? Oh, that is such a good question. I, I didn't prepare you for that one either. No, you didn't. I have read some really good books. I will say I read a book that I actually just talked about over the weekend. So it's really fresh on my mind. I read it about six months ago called Lincoln and the Bardo. And it is one of the most unique books I've ever read. Ooh. It was so different. Um, if you like history, if you like kind of like woo-woo stuff, if you like, you know, like different perspectives on the same story, I would highly recommend it. And also if you are listening and you've read a great book recently, like, please let me know. I go through them pretty fast and I'm always looking for new recommendations. Like the librarian will pull stuff for me. And that's when you know you've made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. When the librarian pulls stuff for yeah, you. Yeah. And it's the best. But then I have to read because when I go back, she asks. So I can't just like take it and be like, oh, I didn't get to it or I had something else going on. Like you have to read it. It's kind of like homework. I cannot let the librarian down. No, that's some serious accountability right there. <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay. So let me go back. You mentioned Sarah Becker photo, Sarah Becker yeah. photography, Pop of Love, and you're the co-owner of a guest house? Yes. Look, Walt Disney said that if you're curious, you will find a lot of interesting things to do. And I will say, like, every time you take, like, a StrengthsFinder test or, like, the VIA Institute Strengths test, curiosity is always my number one. And really? it is, yes, and it is the best and worst trait about me. I love where it's brought me professionally. I think I drive my friends crazy. Um, but I'm always asking questions. I'm always wanting to learn. And really, like, when I think about... People a lot of times ask, like, how did you get into real estate? Like, how did this happen? And the answer is I was asking a lot of questions and, like, sticking my nose in places that didn't technically belong, but then I created a space for myself there. <laughs> and I got to develop this awesome guest house, which was such a cool experience. That was in 2015, and we opened in 2017. And now I'm much more hands-off when my other partners manages it. But for, you know, a few years, it was my entire life. So I learned so much doing that. And the same thing with Pop of Love. It was just asking questions and joining up with Logan and trying to find answers to those questions we were asking and provide a service that people, other people were asking for. And I honestly think that while I love my photography business, it'll always be my bread and butter. I mean, I hope something crazy happens in 2020 and like I'll start something else. Yeah, bring it on. Can't wait to see yeah. what that is. Um, yeah, oh, like, and surprise me. <laughs> and by the way, you heard her mention Logan and Pop of Love. Logan was on It's About Time back on January 6th in episode 10. So if you want to see the other, if you want to hear from the other half of Pop of yes. Love, yes, the better go make sure that you listen to episode <laughs> 10. So. Okay. I've got to say, like, I'm super intrigued about this guest house piece. So is this like an Airbnb situation? How, I know you said you, you've gotten there from asking a lot of questions. You know, yeah. tell, tell us a story, paint us a picture of how that came to be, because it seems like such an outside of the box business situation. I mean, photography, wedding, um, guest house, what? <laughs> Right. Let me grab my paintbrush and paint you a little picture. So in 2014, I had been living in New Orleans for two years and I moved to neighborhoods. I moved from Gentilly to Mid-City. And when I did so, there was a big abandoned building right next to my house on North White Street. And it was beautiful, but it had been abandoned since Katrina. You know, it was gutted. It was just empty. And it had a huge lot, three key lots next door to each other. And in the back, it was all overgrown. There were a bunch of like old abandoned cars back there and a bunch of men kind of camped out there. Yikes. Right. It was kind of a yikes situation. You know, I was working from home alone all day, just like editing weddings and like watching, you know, like drug deals and stuff happen in my, you know, driveway. And I just thought this is not sustainable. So through kind of figuring out like, do the police care about this? They don't. Um, you know, does the owner care? He didn't. He lived in a different state. He bought it at auction after Katrina. Kind of thinking through all these things, um, I had contacted my landlord, who I had not met. <laughs> I just met his property manager. 
And we chatted about it several times as like things continue to happen next door. And he was a real estate developer. He still is. And I said, you know, I don't have enough money. I don't know what your financial situation is. But I think if we pulled our money together, like let's just ask this guy if he would sell it to us. And my partner was very much like they, he probably won't sell it <laughs> to us. He does not like us very much because I had really been like putting the heat on him. And so had my landlord who became my business partner. But he ended up agreeing to our cash price. We bought it cash. We brought in a third partner. We got a renovation loan. Um, and our third partner also is a real estate developer. And so I learned everything from them and from asking a lot of questions, a lot, a lot of questions. So we took a completely gutted um, about 6,000 square feet building. And now it's eight guest suites. It's beautiful. There's an office. There's a common kitchen. Like there's a mural in the backyard. I mean, it went from something that was mural. such an eyesore to something absolutely beautiful. And I'm so proud to have been a part of that project. That is absolutely fascinating. And <laughs> it all started with asking questions. And yeah. I've decided that one day when you launch your podcast, <laughs> can you please call it Sarah Becker asking questions? Or Well, you know, my my partner Barry jokes that if I had a podcast, it should be called the insatiable Sarah Becker. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that could that could be a something. We'll put that on a on a possibility. Yeah, I'm list. trademarking. <laughs> but you know, that works. I think that it's, it's interesting because people are always like, well, how did you get there? And, you know, it really fell in my lap. It probably wouldn't have fallen in most people's laps because most people will be like, I'm going to stay away from this lot um, yeah. with, you know, homeless men in it. But obsessing over the lot for a few months, I grew from hating it to loving it and wanting to make it beautiful. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how, but I will figure out a way and I'll ask people who do know how to like lead the way for me. Um, but it also was about being prepared for that opportunity. So I had been yeah. saving money for many years. Um, I had graduated college two years before, and I had been tossing back fifty percent of everything that I made. So when it, check you out, yeah. So when it came to oh, this is how much it costs to buy a huge lot in Mid City Cash in two thousand fourteen. I was like, okay, well, we can do this. Yeah, and so that was amazing too. I, I didn't know what I was saving for specifically, but I knew something yeah. would come along because life is pretty magical and things do come along and I wanted to be ready. And I, and I feel that way now. I feel like this is a rebuilding year. Like I'm tossing savings back and I'm just kind of waiting for the universe to answer some questions. I love how you say that it's a rebuilding year because it's not like this past year was anything too shabby for you either. That's true. But it was, it was definitely a rebuilding year and not in a bad way, in the best way. In the best yeah. way. So tell me, tell me a little bit about how you spent time this past year, because, um, you know, offline, you've shared with me what this past year was looked like, what this past year looked like for you. Um, and you took some pretty cool, uh, you made some pretty cool moves in your business and with your time this past year. Yes. What, what was that like? Yes. So this past year was an anomaly year. Like I know I will look back five, 10, 15 years from now and be so grateful for what this past year was because it has just been so different. Um, I traveled for a third of the year. I was traveling 124 days, <laughs> which is something at the beginning of the year, my partner Barry and I said, like, we're going to make this a priority. You know, we used our credit card points. We got the Southwest Companion Pass. Like, we both have flexible work and we blocked out all this time that we could just go have adventures. We went to Costa Rica. And you didn't just say, I want to travel more. You said, I'm going to travel more and this is how I'm going to do it. Yes. And then you made a plan and you made it happen, which is unreal. I, I, it's not that it's unreal. Like people do it all the time, yes. but it, it takes something that sounds so lofty and aspirational and you you made it happen in a really practical, tactical way. So tell me more. Yes. Okay. So I am very frugal. It is something that people know about me. I'm very honest about it. Um, I'm pretty cheap. So when it came to being able to travel for 124 days, um, it, it was not luxurious travel, right? We backpacked. Mm -hmm. We stayed in hostels. Uh, my partner, Barry, built a bed frame in the back of our car we could sleep in while camping. Like, I mean, these are the kind of things that we did to make that work. I spent roughly $5,000 on travel this past year. But when you think about how that was a third of the year, that's not a lot of money. 
People spend seven to ten thousand dollars on seven days. Yes, they do. In, but I am not them. Insert country here. Yeah. Yes. So it was very important for me to have a plan because I wanted to do it in a frugal way. I took a couple months off at the beginning of the year um, and helped Barry renovate a house. I just needed a little break because I had been managing the guest house up until about a year ago, and when that kind of you know transitioned over. This is an opportunity for me to know how do I want to fill my time? Like, where's my photography business going? Logan was out on maternity leave for Pop of Love, so things were slower with that. And I was like, I really want to take advantage of this time. And I'm so glad that I did because now that the year has wrapped up, like, things are ramping up. My photography business is doing well. Like, 2020 is going to be a really big year for work. Mm-hmm. But I knew I needed the rest before then. And so I was able to carve out that time in 2019. And I'm so grateful that I did. Wow. So wait, Sarah, you said you were managing the guest house. I know that you were doing photography. I know that yeah. you were doing pop-up. So were you like at the guest house behind a desk nine to five or like how no. what did that look like? No. So the great thing about it is that, you know, technology these days, we had keypads and key codes for the guests. So it was much more just managing like our online presence, managing the guest bookings, managing problems as they come up, which of course they do. And it was just too much. I was working two full-time jobs. So right. you know, it was really three, one, you know, it added up to two full-time jobs. So that is why I transitioned out. And it was, you know, it all came at a good time. And I'm thankful for the way that it all worked out. But that allowed me to take the time off and now focus more time on my photography business, which was honestly really on autopilot for a couple of years because we were doing the development of the guest house. Then we launched Pop of Love in 2016. So from 2015 to 2017, I was like, all right, like little photography business, you're just going to have to keep trucking. And it did. And I'm grateful. But now I'm like, you know what? I want to do new things. I want to have a different system. I want, you know, to to be working with new people and like meet other people. So now I'm kind of like, all right, now I'm digging deep into that and figuring out what I want my primary business to look like, which is also very exciting. Can you tell me the name of the guest house? Yes, it is Campeche. C-A-M-P-C-H-E. And you can find us on Instagram at Campeche Nola. Campeche. And is there a website that I can include in the show notes so that people can check it out that way too? Yes, there is. It's www.campechenola.com. Fun. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait to share that with everyone. It's super fun. It is a fun little place. I love it there. So what you were saying about deciding what your primary business would be, mm-hmm. I feel like in the business world, we are told to pick one thing mm-hmm. and stick with it and yeah. that you've got to niche down or niche down as far as possible and the the riches are in the niches. And that, you know, the, the, the best way to fail is by doing too many different things at once. But sure. I think you're living proof that you can follow different passions and make them successful and profitable. You know, tell me, Sarah, as a multi-passionate entrepreneur, <laughs> what advice would you have for other super curious people like you. Okay. So I really disagree with the idea that we all need to have one thing. I don't think we're built to just have one thing. I think we get bored if we have only one thing. I think, you know, a couple of generations ago, you worked one job at the same company for 50 years and then you retired and that was it. And that is not how we do. Oh, I know you got a gold watch too. You got a gold watch. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the part about the watch. I'm going to miss out on the watch. And I don't have 401k right. matching, which I think about on a weekly basis. However, it's worth it to me. And I think that we as people are constantly evolving. So to say this is the one thing I'm going to do for the rest of my life is not an option for me. I'm sure there are some personality types where it is. Um, my partner Barry is a good example of this too. He was an engineer for several years, like his entire 20s into his 30s. And now he's doing something totally different. Um, and I love that. And I think that's very normal in this day and age. I will say that if you are starting different ventures, you will eventually reach a point where it's unsustainable, just like I did at the end of 2018, right? I knew at this point I had to pick one. That is not something you should be scared of or something that should stop you from doing a new venture. Because like, for instance, with Pop of Love, I have Logan and Logan manages most of the day-to-day of Pop of Love. So that's so great. I come in on big projects. I'm there for the events, but she's managing the day-to-day and I don't have to think about it that much. Mm -hmm. Now with the guest house, as of this past year, you know, my other partners manage it. 
So again, I pop in once a month with the bookkeeper and that's really all I have to do. So that is very, very manageable. What you're putting a lot of work in is the startup of that. So those two years where I was starting the guest house, starting Puff of Love, maintaining my photography business, I honestly don't have a lot of memories from those two years because I was working a lot. That is okay because I was 25 and 26. And that is what you should be right. doing at 25 and 26. Um, but it's not sustainable. It's not where I wanted to be in my 30s, right? But I'm so grateful mm-hmm. that I've set up these different income streams that as I finish up my 20s and into my 30s, those are still going to exist. Yeah. I, you know, I love what you mentioned about how, yeah, you were in your 20s and it was a season in your life that that type of work and that amount of you know investment made perfect sense. And right. now you're just in a different season. So you're approaching it with a completely different set of priorities and just different, more mature eyes. Right. And I think I also am not afraid of hard work. I really love working. Like working is important Mm -hmm. to me. It gives me, you know, a purpose. And so I definitely don't want to, you know, downplay that, that it was a lot of hard work and then I'm still working hard now, but you're right. Like you transition into different things. You know, my stepson is three. I don't want to be gone all the time. Like there are a lot of different things. I want to travel more with my partner now that, you know, he also can travel. I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that we can both do this. So, There are a lot of things in my life that have changed that have made me want to hone in on work and leave more room for life. And it came at the right time. Speaking of time. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome for that. And a slip me at 20. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of time, this actually brings me to my next question, which I love to ask each of my guests who bring such different types of work, different personality types which means that you have different methods of Mm -hmm. doing all of the things that you do. So Sarah, how do you do all of these things? Or do you have any like superpowers or (laughs) secrets or apps? Or do you have a favorite plant? Like how exactly do you do it? That is a great question. And I hope my answer is sufficient. (laughs) I will say that I am a huge list maker. Like when I was in college, you know how everyone had like a little WordPress WordPress blog in college. Mine was called Becker Makes List. I think it still exists. Please don't Google it. It's too late. Now you are. Anyway. That is so fun. Yeah. So I am a huge list maker. Google Keep is where my life is at. I know a lot of real. Yes. I use HoneyBook, which I love, which is similar to Dipsado, which you use for all my contracts and my invoices, right? That is my business. It's very important. However, my to-do list, my tasks list, everything personal, my grocery list, everything is in Google Keep. And it's so funny because I don't think many people use Google Keep. It is completely free. It is linked to your Gmail. And every time I pull it up, someone inevitably is like, oh, what is that? I use the labels. I color code. I can share my grocery list with Barry so we can both add to it. I can share work to-do lists with my partners in work, right? There's nothing wrong with this system and it costs me $0 a year. And I love it. Okay. That's really cool. I have heard of Google Keep. It might've been from you. That's entirely possible. Yes. Uh, I've never used it, but I'll make sure to link to it and check it out. I'll also link to HoneyBook so you guys can check that out as well. If you run a business and you deal with invoicing and managing products, HoneyBook is really fantastic. Dubsado is my preference, um, so I'll include links to both. But yeah, you've got to have a good system in place if you want to grow your business without going crazy. A hundred percent. And it's very important to me that my clients feel taken care of, that they understand how the contracts work, the invoices work, that we both have access to all those things at all times. So that's very important to me. I love HoneyBook, but I use, you know, Google Keep for all my other stuff. I use Google Drive. I use Google Calendar. I mean, all the Google things. Well, Google send me a t-shirt because I would wear it. <laughs> Google, are you listening? Are you, oh, well, they're always listening. Unfortunately, um, that's the one con is you are being spied on constantly. Uh, but that's really with any software. So I really love that. I also use, I know Logan mentioned in her episode, Planoly. I use that for my Instagram as well. Um, I use Pixie Set for all of my photo galleries for any photographers that are listening. I use their unlimited plan and I love it. So yes, absolutely there are tools, but I will say the best tool you have is your mind. So take care Mm -hmm. of it. Drink a lot of water and work out a few times a week and like go for a walk and like do those things because if I'm constantly, if I'm consistently doing those things, I'm going to be a much better little worker bee when I get to my computer. Yeah, definitely. You've got to you've got to take care of yourself if you're going to take care of yourself. Yes, and I am a person where if I write it down on a list, I will do it. 
I'm not a procrastinator. Mm-hmm. I'm not an excuse maker. So if mm-hmm. I break down, oh, I'm going to bar three tomorrow morning, <laughs> you best believe I will be there. <laughs> so that is yourself to that, you know, like making yourself do the things you promise yourself that you will do will make you a better person. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. One really cool thing that you just mentioned is that when you write something down on a list, you do it. Mm-hmm. And um, you probably know by now that not everyone is like you, right? Yes. I have noticed. I have met some people different than me over the years. Yeah. It turns out um, we're all <laughs> different. So in Gretchen Rubin's book, Better Than Before, which yes. I talked a good bit about in episode 11, that was all about habits. Gretchen Rubin identified four different types of people when it comes to uh, like following through with things and um, establishing good habits. And there are upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. And upholders are people just like Sarah Becker, who when they say they're going to do something, they do it. Like they they have that commitment to themselves. And upholders are actually really rare. Interesting. Well, it does not surprise me that that type of my personality is very rare. And I really feel like I'm letting people down when they're like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I just say I'll do it. And then I do it. And they're like, that is not helpful. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so sorry. You're right. It's not helpful. <laughs> You're just wired that way. And that's why it's so important for everybody to like remember and realize that we're all different. We have different personalities. So as much as we can learn from each other, every solution is not going to work for every person. And before we move on, I'll explain the other three real quick. Yeah, please do. Questioners are motivated to act whenever they understand why Um, they should do the thing. They're really into like stats or like articles that back things up. Obligers will follow through if they know someone else is depending on them. So obligers are really great running buddies. (laughs) Yeah. And and then rebels, um, they don't follow through like to themselves or to other people. It's like, they're the people who have to be like tricked into doing things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not explaining this in an incredibly scientific way, but um, yeah, if you go back to episode 11 and listen, and I talk about it a little bit more in depth, but one of the most important things in like time management is just to understand who you are and who your personality is. So you can figure out like the best 
strategies for yourself, I would say. Yes. And I'll say I've learned so much working in close proximity, well, with Barry, because we're working on a lot of projects together. We are very different people. And with Logan, Logan and I were just talking over the weekend about how our business relationship is a lot like a marriage. Like we both love each other so much, but we are very different people and we work very differently. So that's great. Yes. And I have learned so much from Logan. I have learned so much about myself watching me mirrored and Logan and, you know, the same in my, you know, romantic personal relationship. So I know that you are big into the Myers-Briggs. Yes. And you know that I am big into the Enneagram. I really, really enjoy the Enneagram. Yes. And they're both such good tools for understanding yourself and the people around you, the people that you work with. And I will say I've always been pretty self-aware, maybe to a fault, but the Enneagram really boosted that for me. Like I really, when something's going wrong, it doesn't take as long for me to figure out why. And I love it. Because I'm a fixer. (laughs) Both the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, if you have the opportunity to, to take those, they do such a great job of helping you articulate things that you already know about yourself. Um, but maybe weren't able to put into words. And to me, that's just worth so much to have that insight about yourself. Yes. And the insight about the people around you. Like I cannot, mm-hmm. you know, say enough how much the people you work with closely, the people you live with, like have them take it to you and then talk about it and just keep talking. My favorite hobby, talking, 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 talking questions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I've, I've asked the all important question of how you do what you do. So I have another how question for you, Sarah. Mm-hmm. You traveled for one third of I know. last year. Yes, I, I mean, did. I'm not a mathematician, but that's four months. You know what it is four months altogether. And I just like got a little sweaty thinking about that, but that <laughs> math is correct. Okay. So that's about four months scattered across the year. You are self-employed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How exactly did you did you manage that? Like taking the sabbatical, doing the travel. How did you prepare for that financially? Such a good question. And you know, I love to talk about money. All right, so let's take it back to like early 2018. Okay. I knew that this was coming. I knew that I could, I maybe had another year in me and something was going to have to change. I did not know what it was. 2017, 2018 were tumultuous personal years for me as well. And I was like, you know what? This is a good time to take care of myself. And what does that look like? What does it mean? How am I going to make it happen? So in 2018, I took on some jobs I normally wouldn't take on, stuff that you didn't see on Instagram. I took on some consulting jobs I normally would not have made time for. And I padded my income, right? So I made a good bit more that year than I normally make. And it's because I work all the time. (laughs) Okay. So it's it's almost like you had your main businesses and you almost had like side gig income in a way, even though it wasn't a side gig, but it's just that you, you took on projects that you normally wouldn't have in order to, to build up that little nest egg. Yeah. Exactly. It is so important to say no to things that don't work for you. However, if you are like, I need to make $30,000 more this year than normal, I would start saying yes to things when people email you. And they're like, I will give you money in exchange for the service that you were skilled to provide, even if you don't enjoy it. Because work is still work. You're doing it because you have a specific why behind it. Yes. And I don't do that now. I'm not, you know, my work is very enjoyable right now. So... I knew that I needed to make some extra money. I really, really enjoy Sarah Van Bargen. She runs the Yes and Yes blog, and she runs some really cool courses. And she calls this an earning spree. If Ooh. you can take some time, it's an earning spree, and then you you cut your expenses, you spree with what you're earning, and now you've got 40 grand in the bank. And like, congratulations. You worked very what? hard for this, and you deserve it. Yes. I, I will definitely work. be linking to this in the show notes, by yes. the way, because yes. I think we could all use a little bit of an earnings spree in our life. <laughs> yes. She runs a course a few times a year called Bank Boost, and it talks all about that. There's a really cool accountability group in Facebook. If you were in any debt, I cannot recommend it enough. Like, she will walk you through how to get out of that debt in three months. Like, she is, she's like, sell stuff, do that. I mean, it is a very motivational. So I definitely used some Sarah Van Bargain tactics to make that happen in 2018. And I also very much cut my expenses. If I didn't need it to live, I did not spend money on it. Even now, my expenses are very low. And I'm still, I'm able to save a lot of money because I do not spend a lot of money. 
So Sarah, you actually did Nancy Ray's contentment challenge back in January. Is that right? Yeah. So I've done it. This will be my fourth year doing it. And it's January until April 1st. Um, And it's basically about cutting any excess spending, anything that is not a necessity, um, and, you know, working on using other things to like make that little dopamine light up in your brain, like add to cart does. Um, I and, I, and I also feel, you know, living in such a small space, um, 700 square feet with a toddler, with my partner, with a cat, like with my dog until she passed away in November, like we don't have a lot of space. And so that has made me very mindful of stuff that I purchase. Mm-hmm. I just don't need a lot and neither does anyone, but you think you do, but you don't. Right. Exactly. So that's also huge. And you know, this past year, I also didn't spend a lot of money. So I had all this extra money built up and I was like, this is great. Cause I can, I will use this money to live on. If I book zero work, it's fine. I'm very conservative. Mm-hmm. However, I booked plenty of work. This right. is not a horrible year for me. I just scheduled it all out while I was in town. I edited on the road. Like Honestly, like my turnaround time got better because I had to be more efficient. You know, like yeah. people talk about having a baby and how you have you, the t- hours you have are so much more precious. It was very much like that. Like if I was out of town for a week, I was out of town. But when I was back in town, I was going to work 60 hours that week. No yeah. question. Um, and that really worked out for me. Like <laughs> I hate the phrase work hard, play hard, but that is exactly what I did. <laughs> Go with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to embrace it because it is accurate. Yeah. Um, so I will say that I felt really good at the beginning of 2019 because I'd overprepared financially. And it felt even better that I had to use a very little of that money to live on because I ended up, you know, booking just as much work just in different types of spurts. Like instead of having two shoots a week, I'd have zero shoots a week while traveling and six shoots a week when I got home. Sarah, what did you learn about yourself? You know, creating that type of schedule for yourself? Wow. That's a great question. I learned that it does work for me. Yeah, I am a homebody a lot of the time. And so while I was very, very excited about all these trips, I was also a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned that it's wonderful. I saw so many incredible places. Like I slept in a car for the first time. I just started camping. So like I got to have that experience. I met so many interesting people. I went to so many interesting places and I'm so grateful for that. And I think also what I learned about myself is as much as I love New Orleans, and I think this will be my home base for a long time, it's important for me to get out of town a good bit of the year. So like July, August, that's a good time to leave for a couple months, travel, see different things. It's so hot here. No one yeah. gets married. No one needs me here. Um, because again, I think that comes back to my personality just being very curious. Like I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to stay in the same place. And you know, when Barry and I moved into this small house together... We were like, oh, is there going to be enough space? Like, what is this going to be like? And it has been the best adventure. And we've learned that we need so much less than society tells us we need. And, you know, that fact gives us more time and more flexibility. We have to work. We don't have to work as much. We have more money for travel, all those things, just because of that living choice that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, less to take care of and less to maintain. Um, Yes. Scott and I actually lived in a 700-ish square foot house uh, in the small town of Chalmette, right after we first got married. Yes, I remember you telling me about that. True story. And, like, what a trial by fire for your newlywed yeah. marriage. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. And just like you said, you really have an opportunity to figure out what's necessary, what's not. And everything that you have either has purpose or a meaning behind it. And it's really shaped my purchasing decisions moving forward. I'm not interested Mm -hmm. in, I don't know, shopping after Christmas decor sales because I want my Christmas decor either to be like super specific or have a meaning behind it. Um, For example, I don't want to buy stuff just to fill the space. I love that. Yeah. It's about being intentional with your purchases and your space. And it's huge. It's so important. So it gives you so much freedom. Yeah, it really does. It gives you so much freedom. And I think that people don't recognize that we end up becoming chained to our stuff. And yes, and it's, yes, yes. And it's freedom and it's time. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's time as well, because, you know, with the contentment challenge, I realized every year, like, okay, so like, for instance, in December, I had a party to go to. I bought a couple outfits for it. They came. I tried them on. One worked. One didn't. I couldn't send one back in the mail. I had to go to the mall. Oh. Think about all this time that I'm using every time, every time I buy something. When people are like, oh, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to spend an hour in Target. Like, I just, the time that you save by not buying stuff you don't need, mm-hmm. 
is also insane. Yeah. I'm over here like so I'm over here staring into space, like pondering all of this right now. Because it is so true. And you know, we're we're not living in a seven hundred square foot house in Chalmette anymore. And it's just it really has the ability to kind of get away from you once you feel the need to fill the new space. Yes, and kids also are stuff magnets. That too. That too. People give your kids so much stuff. I've lost track of how many Christmases my stepson had. And how many Christmas gifts that meant. Yeah. <laughs> trying, trying to keep the toy situation at bay because they seem to multiply. And Camilla's one at this point. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think it gets better. No, no. <laughs> I think it's time to start, start the boundaries as early as possible uh, with this stuff. I mean, my stepson got so many gifts for his birthday, which was in October. I hid some yeah. in our closet and they're wrapped and they're hidden. And I'm like, well, I mean... If we needed, if we need cheer up, they're in the closet because they didn't need any more gifts that day. Yes, I have. Okay, so I've heard two tips for dealing with um, like an overflow of birthday gifts or Christmas gifts. Is that tell me more? You can. One option is to take half of them and put them in the attic or put them in storage and then mm-hmm. bring them out at birthday time, which I mean, there's no birthday police. It's okay if you do that. And then yeah. another option is to pull specific toys and put them in a closet and call them rainy day toys. So that, mm, I love that. whenever everyone is having like cabin fever, maybe it's been raining for a few days, maybe it's summer vacation and you haven't been able to get out of the house. That's when you pull out the rainy day toys and it's like Christmas all over again, because it's not something that they're used to playing with all the time. So those are both great ideas. Those are two little tips. And I would actually love to get some financial tips, wisdom from you that the listeners can kind of start implementing in their everyday life if they're looking to do something like travel for four months in a year, or maybe just save up for a vacation or some other type of financial goal that they have. Yes, absolutely. So number one, it's time to do an audit. I would pull the past three months of your bank statements, your credit card statements, and take a very, very good look at what you're spending. Should I put it in a spreadsheet? It is totally up to you how you want to do it. A lot of people connect better when they write it all out. Yeah. I personally have used Mint for many years, but I recently switched to an Excel sheet where I have to, every time I spend money, I have to input it. Really? Yes. And that has curbed my spending a little bit because I'm like, oh, do I really want to put in my spending budget? I spent $40 on this thing. I don't. So I'm not going to buy Ooh. it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to look at this. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, whereas with Mint, oh, every couple months I'd go in there and I categorize and I'd be like, oof, yikes, I spent a little too much, you know, on this or whatever. Um, but this every, every morning I look at my bank account and I input what I spent the past 24 hours. Okay. How long does that take you each morning? Like five minutes max. Gotcha. Yeah. So it does not take me a lot of time. And what's really great is like this morning I didn't do it because I had not spent any money in the past 24 hours. And that is a good feeling. So, uh, yeah. So back to the audit, I would do the audit. So use mint or wine app or a piece of paper, however you feel like you need to connect to it. And really look at what you're spending. I will say I've gone through this with several people. And normally people have one of two reactions or both. Number one, wow, I actually make more money than I thought. Like I've been living in a scarcity mindset, right? Because I'm not tracking my expenses. Therefore, I'm not tracking my income either. And number two, wow, I spend a lot of money on stuff. I can't even remember buying and it was junk. Yeah. So, and you can have both of those experiences, right? And a lot of times I did too. I'm like, oh, wow, I did really great this month. But like, why did I go out to eat? that many times. You know? I really need that much so, coffee? <laughs> right. Yeah. Fortunately, I don't drink coffee. That is not a money saving uh, habit. It is just, I cannot imagine my personality on caffeine and I do not want to subject anyone to it. <laughs> but yes, everyone has their coffee thing, mm-hmm. right? I love treats. And I grew up with a mom who was very loving. And every time I went to the dentist, I got a dip cone. And every time I got an A on a test, I got a treat. I grew up in a treat economy. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to not want to treat myself all the time. I have learned about treats that are free, like a walk in the park yeah. or going to the library and getting a new book. Yeah. So number one, audit, audit, okay. audit. Number, number two, you need to make a realistic budget for what you're spending. This is not, I would like to only spend $100 on Amazon a month. This is, I actually spent $250 on Amazon this okay. month. Okay. Realistic budget. And then compare that to your income. And you need to see like what, how does it look? How does it look to you? If you're making $150,000 and your only savings goal is to save $50,000 and you can spend 100, 
then all right, like that's fine. But if you make $50,000 a year and you'd like to just, you know, max out your IRA, which is 6,000, you only want to spend 44. Like that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like you need to figure out what your expenses actually are and then what your income is, figure out how much you want to save and then slash your budget and create the budget you actually need to stick okay. to. There's a realistic budget and then there's the budget that you mm-hmm. need. <laughs> so the whole point of the audit is to realize exactly where is your money going. And then you need to get it in order to where it needs to be and stick to it. I will also say that a lot of times people ask, how do you plan for that vacation you want to take that's $10,000? Or how do you plan for maxing out your IRA at the end of the year? I use a little tool in my Excel sheet that's called a sinking fund. And, you know, I spend $5,000 on travel a year. And so $500 I make, you know, a month or whatever. Well, that's not, that math is not right, but you know what I mean? Um, I, it, I don't think about it. It goes into my savings account and that is for my travel. Okay. Same with my IRA. Gotcha. Okay. Which I do put $500 a month back for the IRA because it's 6000 So uh, it, that is how okay. I do it is I just toss it away and it's in the Excel sheet and it looks like a deduction. But obviously I, did, I don't spend exactly $500 a month on travel. Like someday, some months I'm going to spend zero, some months I'm going to spend a thousand and it all works out. Um, so Yeah. That, that is the start, is knowing how much money you make and knowing how much money you spend, which is shockingly difficult. I'll also say that like I've gone through this with people who work traditional jobs. So like they are making literally the same paycheck every week and realizing, oh, shoot, I thought my 401k match was coming out of this and it's Ooh. not. Or, you know, I, you know, think that I make $60,000 a year, but after taxes, that's $45,000 right. a year. Taxes, I've been living like health I insurance, all of those extra things ends up yes. being a whole lot less. And you're spending yes. like- yeah. The most dangerous, yes. The most, yeah. The most dangerous thing you can do as a salaried employee is to look at your salary and think that's how much money I make. Yeah. It is not. No. <laughs> so those are, you know, a few things to get you started. Email me. Email. <laughs> not- <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's that's a lot. I feel several percentage points smarter as a result of <laughs> listening to these financial <laughs> tips. Um, we'll we'll probably have to talk offline because I can one hundred percent use a refresher. I always feel so in the mood at the beginning of the year to just really get everything in order and get everything in line. And finances are definitely in that you know category of things to get in line and. What's so cool about you, Sarah, is that I find that a lot of people in the creative industry have this really unfortunate reputation for not being great with money and not charging what they're worth and, you know, not being able to plan and always having to work, work, work. But I'm so grateful that you are an example to everyone listening and the people that you come in contact with that, you know, it doesn't have to be that way, that you can be smart about your money. It doesn't even have to be hard and you can reap such amazing benefits like like seeing amazing places and having wonderful experiences with just a little bit of planning and foresight. Yes, 100%. And I will say like it gets easier. It becomes a habit. habit. It's not hard for me to not buy crap yeah. anymore. It's just it's hard at first. It's definitely <laughs> it's hard at first as you're when you're beginning to flex that muscle because it's like being out of shape. But yes. it, it's like it's growing your mindset muscles. The more you use it, the the stronger you get and the easier it becomes. Yes. And like, look, when I was on all these trips this past year, I mean, I saw the most beautiful things. We went to White Sands. We saw Crater Lake, went to Kitty National Park. You know, like I had my first lobster, all these amazing experiences. And all of them are so much more important than that purse at TJ Maxx. I wanted yeah, for five minutes. Definitely. Like, I just can't tell you like how, how meaningful it can be when you can put your money toward actually what makes you happy instead of what you think will make you happy or what society says will make you happy, which is Boom. a target run. 100%. So Sarah, tell us, what would you do if you had an extra hour in each day? Ooh, well, I think if I had an extra hour in each day, I would start writing. Oh, yeah? I need to write anyway. I know you will write a book one day, and I would like to, too. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. So that is something that I have been thinking about for this year. And, you know, I love the idea of morning pages, which is something I used to do and I do not do anymore. And Mm -hmm. I also tend to wake up earlier than my household. So I would like to start carving out, you know, about 30 minutes 
in the early morning to work on something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I've told you and all your listeners, maybe y'all can keep me accountable. Oh, that's going to happen. No <laughs> doubt about it. Super excited to read The Insatiable Sarah Becker coming out in 2021. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Quick <laughs> order. <Yeah. laughs> Once I write it. <laughs> and, and then and then the librarian will start recommending that to everyone. <laughs> Look, honestly, that would make my librarian so proud. And that would that's a huge motivation to make this happen. Oh, put it on your vision board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a picture of my librarian. Do you think she would think it's weird if I asked if I could take a picture with her? Not I don't at know all. if I do it anyway. Not at yeah. all. You should Instagram story that. <laughs> I'll live feed it, yeah. <laughs> okay. So Sarah, as we're wrapping up, I would love to hear about what's next for you. Oh. Okay. Great question. So one thing I just launched in January, which I'm super, super excited about, it's called the creatives collection. It is a photo collection by me for other creatives, for bakers and makers and artists and photographers. I've been doing a lot of branding work in 2019. Oh yeah. And one thing that I've realized, yes. One thing that I've realized, you know, I've done you as well. I photographed you is that so many of us, we need photos throughout the year. Like one shoot a year doesn't really cut it. Mm -hmm. And this collection is built for you to have a quarterly shoot. It can be of your products. It can be, you know, of your services, of your work or whatever throughout the year so that you have cohesive, creative, consistent imagery for your social media, for your website, for your pitch decks, for your proposals, all those things. Super excited to finally launch it. It's something that I've been doing kind of on the, you know, on the down low this past year and something that people have been asking me for. So that's my latest and greatest thing. And it's so fun to do that because I always do it during the week. And it's like a little fun thing that's not weddings. Yeah. Because weddings are so fun, but they're only on Saturdays. And and true story. Yes. Sarah (laughs) did. Sarah came and hung out with me and Camilla this past year. And we had so much fun. Um, just taking pictures in my office, taking pictures of us doing life things. Mm-hmm. And yep. the coolest part is that, you know, Sarah really helped me, you know, capture what, you know, brand is such like a weird thing. Like what even is that? How do you put that into to words or into images? And Sarah really helped me capture the essence of what I was trying to put out there. So super grateful for her. She's super fun to work with. Just have to add that in there. Thank you. I appreciate that, Anna. Well, awesome. I am super excited to see all of the amazing people that you're going to work with this upcoming year with the creative collection. Y'all, Sarah has a super fun Instagram. Where can people keep in touch with you? Yes, absolutely. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram. My Instagram is at Sarah Becker Photo. My book Instagram is at Becker Reads Books. You can email me like literally anytime at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, spelled the biblical way, at sarahbeckerphoto.com. Perfect. Well, Sarah, thank you so, so, so much for coming and hanging out with me on the show this morning. You definitely kept me on my toes and you've given me a ton of food for thought, especially when it comes to finances and making big plans. So thank you again for spending time with us today. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for having me, Anna. And we will chat more all about this, you know, offline in real life. And there you have it. Yes, you can follow your multi-passionate dreams. Yes, you can have more than one business. And yes, you can travel for four months out of your year. Sarah Becker is proof of what's possible. I hope you enjoyed listening in on our conversation as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. Head over to the show notes at about time podcast forward slash 18 to stay in touch with Sarah, check out her photography, reserve a room in her guest house, and see what she's reading these days. And if you're ready to master your time management skills so you can follow your multi-passionate dreams, carve out four months for travel, or simply spend your time on what matters most to you, and you're someone who's ready to take action to get there, go straight to AnnaDCornick.com forward slash work with me. Complete the quick coaching application and get a spot on my calendar to see if working with me is a good fit. I've got a limited number of one-on-one coaching spots available. And if you're ready to get out of planning mode and into doing mode, I don't want you to miss out. Before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. So last week in episode 17, I talked all about the five routines you need in your life, like right now. 
one of those five deserves a deeper dive than the rest. Your morning sets the tone for your entire day. So next week in episode 19, I'm talking all about how to create a morning routine that sets the rest of your day up for success. We'll talk about different approaches like the lifesavers and present methods and take a look at how celebs and well-known business owners start their day. The best part is you don't have to be a morning person to have a good morning. Don't miss this one. That's it for today. Thanks again for tuning in and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.